My bad. All right. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to kind of just continue on with... This will be definitely kind of a communion-related message. Uh, but, you know, first of all... I, just let let God continue to lift your expectation. Can I challenge you to do that? Start imagining God doing something amazing. Start picturing it. You know, the, the Bible says that God can do beyond what we ask or think. And when, you're, when your imagination, your thoughts, are renewed, when you are not conforming to the world, that scripture that Greg read, but you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that means you can begin to dream things that are, that are God things. Then your imagination becomes a holy imagination. It becomes something that where, where things are beginning to be stirred in the spirit realm, in the kingdom of God, and you begin to say, let me begin to think on those things. And you can, you can choose to engage your mind, just like you can choose to pray in tongues, you can choose to worship God. Did you know that worship always starts in the flesh? Worship always starts in the flesh. You have to choose to do it. You just have to say, I'm going to do this. I mean, I don't, you don't always feel like it. If you wait to pray or read your Bible or seek God or tell somebody else about Jesus till you feel like it, it may never happen. Your feelings are meant to follow your spirit, not your spirit follow your feelings. And so, in order for me, I need to begin to, to begin to think of things, begin to imagine some, God doing something more. You know, we're not, we're not talking weird things. This is not, you know, making up stuff in your head. We're talking about beginning to dream with God. You're getting with God and the Holy Spirit begins to... Begins to Allow you to, to think of things. Think of something more. Um, imagine yourself praying for someone anywhere and seeing them healed. You know, if you can imagine that, God says, hey, I can do more than you can imagine. You know, I'm, you know, I'm still probably a little bit jazzed up from our trip. You know, we, we saw, we weren't, you know, we weren't, didn't know what to expect, but God did some amazing things. Just holy, incredible things. And so my encouragement to you is just lift your expectation. Lift your expectancy. You know, sometimes we, as we think, so are we. As a man thinks of himself, so is he. There's some scripture that says something like that. I think it's in the King James. Um, but, you know, we, we sometimes are, are the product of our own, of what we're expecting, of what we're thinking about, of what we think is going to happen. If you're worried about something bad happening, guess what? Something bad might happen. You know, we've, been, we've been given authority. If, we're, if you're a child of God, you've been given authority. So when, you're, when you say things, they could happen. They have God's power behind them. God's delegated that to you. And He didn't even say, hey, if it, you know... Only the good things I'm going to authorize. No, he said, you have authority. 
And it's in your relationship with me that you learn to use that authority. That's why he says, hey, watch what comes out of your mouth. Life or death. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building up. Don't grumble and complain. Because you have authority. You know, you're using the authority of God to complain. I'm just preaching now. There's no notes. Let's begin to imagine something bigger than I've seen. You know, and then we begin to lay, raise the expectation, the expectancy for my prayers. I begin to pray bigger things when I begin to imagine them, when, we, when I begin to think on those things. You know what? If it's good, if it's excellent, if it's praiseworthy... Go ahead and think on it. The Bible says you can think on anything that's good, anything that's excellent, anything that's honorable, anything that's praiseworthy. So if you can imagine something and it's going to bring honor to God, it's going to be honoring someone else, it's going to lift up Jesus, it's going to be excellent, it's going to be good, then that's something you can be thinking about. God says think on those things. And in fact, he commands it. He doesn't suggest it. He says think about those things. You know, the reason we're going to have more is because Jesus already paid for it. We're going to read a scripture in Hebrews here. And Hebrews is a, is a challenging book, I think, to read. Uh, if you've ever read through Hebrews, if you've been, some of you have been, I've heard, I'm so excited about people have been telling me about reading the Bible, reading through the New Testament, and, you know, different things. New, NT40, the New Testament in 40 days, is pretty cool. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. Uh, it's not quite as hard as the B90X, and it, but it's a challenge, but it's, it's something. I mean, both Ashley and I, we read the whole New Testament before we went to, to Poland. And I had read the, from January 1st till February 9th. I finished on the plane when, when it had already come the next day, when we started on one day, and then... We're on the plane for a long time, and now it's the next day because you're seven hours ahead, and it's been dark, but you're not sure why it's light, and finish reading Revelation. And so I had the whole New Testament in me right before we went to Poland. It's like stuff just comes out of you because you've got the Word of God in you, because you've got, you've got something to give. And so, man, I encourage you just... Just get in the Word. But Hebrews is a challenge if you've read through it before. It's a very Jewish book. It's very focused on what happened in the Old Testament and the sacrifices. And let me give you a quick summary of chapters 1 through 7. You're like, I bet you, you can do this. I can do this right now. Basically, here's a summary of Hebrews 1 through 7. Jesus is better than everything else. (laughs) That's it. Jesus is God, and He's the exact representation of a being. He holds the world together by the hand of His power, by the word of His power. He sustains all things. By His sacrifice, He's made, made us right with God. And so He is better than angels. He's far above angels. He's not just a special being from heaven. No, He's God Himself. He is better than Moses. Moses was really cool. Moses was awesome. He had the burning bush. He got the Ten Commandments. But Jesus is greater than Moses. Hey, all these other priests, all these sacrifices, all this old covenant. Hey, that was okay. But it was, but there, was, it, there was problems with it. It was not enough to save people. And so Jesus is better. And in fact, he's a better high priest than all those other priests because he's a priest forever. 
That's Hebrews 1 through 7. You're like, that was a lot simpler than reading it. <laughs> There's a couple other things in there as well. But that's a brief summary. And so it's talking about Jesus being our high priest. Because in the Old Testament, you had a bunch of high priests. And they had to be born into the family. They were born into the house of Levi. And this was the problem. When they would go in to offer sacrifices, they had to offer sacrifices for their sins too, right? Because they, they, were, they were messed up human beings just like you and me. And so they had to offer the sacrifice and then they had to do it over and over and over again. And then what happened was they would die. And you'd have to get a new high priest. And who new bunch of regular priests, you know, as the next generation comes. And they, you know, and so this cycle goes on. And so the writer is saying, hey, look, Jesus is coming and God makes a promise. God makes a promise related to the covenant. He makes an oath for those of you that were in the covenant study. This is another part of the covenant where God says to Jesus, you're a priest forever. You are a priest forever. There's a promise in that. The promise is this. We don't have to worry about him leaving. We don't have to worry about him dying. We don't have to worry about something changing. We don't have to worry about him not being enough. And it says in Hebrews 7.22, and so because of this oath, this promise, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. And it says in Hebrews 7.26, no, 23, let's start there. I'll just read it. We're not on the screen here. 723 says this, Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, listen to this, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Here's what this is saying. You know, in the Old Testament, one time a year, the high priest would go into the most holy place, the place where the presence of God was, and he would offer that one sacrifice, the Day of Atonement, for the sins of the whole, all the people of God. He could go in one day a year, and then he would come out. Okay? And it, you know, it's the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. But, you know, he would have to come out. Here's the deal. Jesus doesn't ever come out. He's always there, interceding. That's what it means. He ever lives to make intercession. In other words, I go into the presence of God. I can go in and be close to God because Jesus is already there. He is a priest forever. He's always doing it. He's always there. He's always taking care of it. I have access to God. I don't have to hold back. I don't have to wait to get myself right. Now, we know all these things in our heads that we've been going to church for a while, but sometimes our practice shows that we really don't believe it because what happens when you mess up whatever your worst sin is go ahead and shout it out right no just kidding (laughs) go ahead and shout somebody else's out look at the person next to you and (laughs) if you're married you better know better (laughs) we got a class on wednesday that can help you okay (laughs) Keep your love on, okay? So, here's the deal. How long does it take you, after you do something you didn't want to do, to get back into God's presence? 
That shows how much you really believe that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. You know, sometimes this is what I do. Let's take an example. Somebody give me a sin I'd probably commit. <laughs> let's say I'd, I'd, go off, I'd go off on my wife for some reason. I don't go off on her, but let's just say I did. Uh, I say something mean to her. Okay, I don't yell at my wife. I don't raise my voice very often. Uh, just a little bit. She doesn't raise her voice or yell at me. It's just a very honoring relationship. We try to keep it that way. But, you know, there's sometimes I don't have to raise my voice, but I can say something. And it may be intentional. It may be not intentional. And so I'm like, oh, man, why did I do that? I mean, don't you do that? You, you, you say it and you go, and then you start replaying it. So later on you're going, why did I say that? I know I'm the only one. You guys are all, yeah. You know, it's like, why did I do that? You, so you kind of replay it over your head. And so it's kind of like, you know, if it's something I, I really promised, that, man, I, I wasn't going to go there again, honey. And then I went there again. And so I started to feel guilty. And then what happens is, is I'm not as quick to just jump into God's presence. I'm not as quick to pray. I'm not as quick to get in the Word. You know, you kind of... You kind of just go, I don't know, is, you know, what's happening in that moment when you're not like, when you can't just rush right in back to God? It means I don't believe Jesus was enough. I need a greater revelation that Jesus is enough. Jesus is superior. Jesus is better. Jesus is different. He doesn't have to go in once. He did it once and for all. So there doesn't need to be any other sacrifice for my sins. Because really that's what's happening is I'm trying to punish myself for my wrongdoing, right? I'm trying to make a sacrifice for my sin. In other words, man, if I just, you know, I need to just hold back and think, you know, beat myself up a little bit, you know, a few whips on the back. Man, that was stupid. Man, that was stupid. How could you say that, John? That was so stupid. What am I doing? I'm putting myself on the whipping post and saying, I'm going to go ahead and start flogging myself for my sin. When Jesus is already in the Holy of Holies, he did it once and he's sitting there going, I am taking care of this all the time. I'm better. I'm superior to anything else. And so it says this, such a high priest... Verse 26, meets our need, one who's holy, one who's blameless, one who's pure, who's set apart from sinners. He's exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the other people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak, but the promise, the oath of God, which came after appointed the son who's been made perfect forever. Amen. It's very important that God says, hey, I'm going to put a son in there. I'm going to put a member of the family in there. This is, this is not just somebody out on the outside that could, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sending my best. So here's the scripture we're going to start with. Roman, or Hebrews, not Romans, Hebrews 8 and 1. The point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. So 
there's, a, there's our scripture for this morning's message. Number one, there's, there's three things going on there that are very important that, that we won't catch if we don't understand the context and the, and the nature of, of the Jewish priesthood. Number one, they never sat down. The priests never sat down. When they were doing their jobs, they stood the whole time. They were not allowed to sit down because sitting down would imply they were finished and their work was never finished because they had to keep doing it over and over again. Once they got outside the temple, the place they were doing the sacrifices, they can sit down, but they're not going to sit down inside because the job was not done. Jesus sits down. That's huge. That means... It's done. He's finished. He's not getting up again to do that again. He doesn't have to do anything else. When Jesus did the work on the cross, it was enough. You know, when Jesus, you know, we know the phrase he said, he said, it is finished. It's finished. So if something's finished, I can't bring it back up again. You know, once the game is over, when the Super Bowl was over this year, there's no hope for the Atlanta Falcons, right? Whether you liked it or not, whether I liked it or not, it was finished. There were some, some celebrations to do. There was a trophy presentation. There's some stuff that had to happen, and that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He said, it is finished. And guess what? He had to go to hell. He went down to hell, said, let me get, grab my trophy here. Let me have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to take those back right now. The game is already over. You can't stop me now. If you heard that, if you're still in the area, devil, you can't stop him now. <laughs> you know, it was over. It was already finished. That was just the aftermath. That was part of the celebration. And now he is sitting down waiting for all of his enemies to be put under his feet. In other words, everything is being submitted to Jesus because the victory has already been won. And so we do have a high priest. We have a great high priest, one who is ever making intercession, ever praying for us, ever standing between me and God. And so why would I hesitate to go back to the one who loves me so much and who has paid everything? When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. You know, when you pick out the worship songs and get to preach, you get to align some of them. So you're like, yeah, that one's going to go really good. You know, we started off with on Christ the solid rock. That's really what we're getting is we need a foundation where I have Jesus and I cannot be shaken. You know, it says his oath, his covenant, his love support me in the whelming flood. In other words, when there's stuff going on all around me, what I need is the promise of God to remember what he's already said, what he has already declared. I need the covenant of God, the love relationship, the guarantee that my life is his, that I belong to him, that what he has belongs to me, and that what I have is no more, and I have what he has instead of what I had. 
and His love is circling all over it, that I am in an atmosphere of love, and I get to operate in that because of what He's done. And so when the flood comes, when the storms come, when people come against me, when thoughts come against me, when I am facing a challenge, when I am facing a, a trial, when I am facing a you know, opposition spiritually, then I can be supported in that flood because I've got all those things. I have Jesus. I have the one who's better. But it says that he sat down at the right hand. Now that's important. It's important that he didn't sit on the left. It says he sat on the right. Because when you're Sitting on the right, it's talking about sharing authority. In other words, you're sitting at the place of power. The majesty in heaven in there is just, that's a Jewish phrase for God. They would sometimes say God, so he's using very Jewish language. So he sat down at the right hand of God. It's talking about the authority that Jesus has. You know, he's, you know in Ephesians it says that Jesus is seated far above every demon, every ruler, every, every thought, every, every, everybody who could be exalted, uh, every president, every world leader, every dictator, every demon, every higher up demon, and the devil himself is sitting below Jesus. He's far above. And that's talking about his authority at the right hand of God Himself. You know, it says earlier in Hebrews that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. You know, a throne with a king represents several things. Number one, it's their authority, but it also represents their, their judgment. You know, in, in those times, when you came to the king to make a judgment, what was he doing? He was sitting on the throne. He wasn't standing he wasn't walking out. He was sitting on the throne. In other words, he could sit there and then what he said would come to pass. So whether if you came to him with a problem, you had two people coming, like those two women came to Solomon. And, you know, they say, whose baby is it? And, and Solomon says, well, let's cut the baby in half. You know, and then he says, finally, oh, and the woman says, no, don't do that. And Solomon says, that's the woman. So what he says, because he's sitting down in the place of authority, what he says will then happen. And so, what are the things that Jesus is saying right now as he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven? He is declaring the work that he's already done. He is declaring that his kingdom will come, that, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because he, he has the authority to release that in the earth. And get this. In Ephesians 2 and 6 it says, Now we have been raised up and we are seated with Christ. Which side is Jesus seated on? The right side. Where are we seated? With Christ. Where am I seated? In the spiritual realm. On the right side. The place of authority. So if someone tries to bring a judgment against me, when the enemy comes and says, Nah, 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 nah. I'm already sitting with Jesus on the throne of judgment. What do you think he's going to say? Uh, 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 uh. And now it's my privilege as a child of God who is sitting in that place 
next to Jesus, my high priest. He's ever living to make intercession for me. He's always praying for me. He is always, he is always blessing me. He's always making the way where I have 100% access to everything that God has. I have access to the presence of God. That I don't have to be far off. I don't have to, I don't have to wait. I don't have to clean myself up. I don't have to work myself up. I'm, I can enter in there freely. He's already there. I step into the Holy of Holies. Boom. God's there. I can just, you know, God's presence is in me. In fact, it says by the Holy Spirit. But now it's my job to begin to see what Jesus wants handed out and, and ministered to and enforced in the earth. Because I'm in that place of authority. So therefore, the things I say matter because God says, hey, I want you to be releasing the presence and power of the king. I want you to be release the, the presence and power of the kingdom all around you. Because you're in the place of authority. I have a high priest and he's raised me up and he's seated me with him. Why would he do that? I don't know, but he did. <laughs> and so, I, you know, we have to view ourselves as much more important as the children, as the people of God. It's important what I am allowing through my mouth, through my head, through my life. Because I am representing the king. And I have authority from the king to release the kingdom, to release things into this, into the atmosphere around me. And if I am releasing discouragement, if I am releasing complaining, if I am releasing doubt, then guess what? My authority is being used to release those things around me. That's why before you're a Christian, the devil doesn't mess with you because you can't affect the world that much. But once you become a child of God, he wants to mess with you because now you have authority and you affect the whole world a whole lot more than you used to. Because you have the authority of Jesus behind you. That's why all the books in the New Testament begin to make sense when they say, hey, look, you can't fight against one, one another because you're, you're releasing disunity all around you. I mean, have you been... I, I pray you haven't, but have you been on social media lately? There's Christians fighting over every stinking thing that you can imagine. And it's not all related to Donald Trump, but a lot of it is. <laughs> President Trump. What are we releasing around us? Confusion. Why is there confusion? We're releasing it. We have the authority to release it. So I have to say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to release something different with my life. I'm going to release something different with my authority. I'm going to, I'm going to use it for unity. I'm going to use it for love. I'm going to use it to bring people close to God. I'm going to, I'm going to speak life instead of death. I'm going to speak hope instead of discouragement. I'm going to speak kindly instead of harshly then that's going to begin to be released. That's what we need. We need a coming together. We don't need to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. Even if it's true. Whatever we're talking about. It probably doesn't matter as much as I think. We don't realize what we've been given in Jesus sometimes. You know, I was thinking about this, and here's, here's one way that... Uh, Here's one thing the Lord showed me recently, just in this past 
you know, going on this trip. And I, I don't know when he really spoke it to me. But it kind of stirred this message, or at least the start of it, was this. When Stan Urbanowitz died, we prayed for, if, for those of you that weren't familiar, there's a, a gentleman named Stan that we prayed for a long time ago. And, uh, you know, we were just standing for his healing. He had cancer and he died. And I remember saying something. I, I think I even did it probably in front of us as the church said, God, I'm asking for a hundred times retribution for, for, his, for his death that he wasn't healed. And then, you know, when we prayed for my mom, and she, she died as well. And I remember saying this. I don't think I said it in front of anybody, but I probably said it to myself. You know, I, I want to see a thousand people healed because she died of cancer. Okay? Now, those statements sound really spiritual and very Pentecostal, but they're not right. Got your attention. They're not right because I am thinking in that that something else God needs to do something else in order for that to happen. In other words, I'm asking for something special beyond what my high priest already paid for. And so I don't need to ask for a hundred times of anything because I've already been given everything. So it's not like God suddenly says, oh, because that happened, I'm going to give you more. He says, I already gave my son I already gave Jesus for your healing, so everything has already been paid for. hundred, a thousand, a million, it don't matter. You don't have to ask for something special, but the Lord was showing me, hey, you don't really believe that what I've already done is enough. You want something more than what I've already done. And so we have to guard against that. I hope that illustration is helpful for you, because it might be in your own life that you're beginning to ask God for this thing that He's saying... Well, just receive it. I've already, I've already done it. You don't have to work up your way to it. Go ahead and just ask and receive. You know, if Jesus has already said, I will do this for you, you don't have to beg God to do it for you. You don't have to work yourself up to do it, get Him to do it for you. You have to learn to receive. Now, learning to receive is a whole different message that we don't have time for today. And we'll, I'll let somebody else give it. Because <laughs> I'm still learning. You know, we, it's because we access by faith, by believing, by trusting that what my high priest already did is enough. You know, that's how I don't get afraid that I'm not saved, right? I mean, have you ever struggled with the thought, am I really saved? Am I, am I really going to heaven? You know, we all have. You know, what if I did something really bad and it just kind of cancels it out? Well, it's because I don't believe that Jesus was enough. If Jesus is enough, then it doesn't matter what I do. I just have to receive. I receive salvation, and I have it. That's it. I don't have to do another sacrifice for sin. I don't have to do another, I don't have to do another flogging for healing. Jesus says, I, my, by my stripes, you've already been healed. So sometimes I find myself asking for something extra... That God says, I've already given you. So if, we're, if God, what God has given is right here, and I'm, I'm over here going, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. I just need to turn myself a little bit and go, oh, it's right here. Amen. I need to look to Jesus. The solid rock. The one I'm standing on. You know, 
I, that's why I love that last song. I just pulled it out from, we haven't sung that song in years, but it just has that idea of, you know, I'm looking to Jesus. And he does all, you know, he's, he's my high priest. He's, my, he's freeing me from my chains. He's forgiven me of my sin. He is now lifting me up to a, to a new place. I'm with him. And he says, you don't have to depart. In other words, you don't have to go away from me. I don't get tired of you. I don't get sick of you. I don't get bored of you. I don't get discouraged because of you because he just loves you. So let's believe he's enough. Let's believe he's enough. That's all I got. Let's pray. Stand up, if you will. Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, just right now, I just pray that, that, that most of all, we would, we would see you, Jesus. So we choose... Lord, no matter what's been going on in our lives right now, we thank you that we have been turned towards Jesus today by, in every corner from the first song we sung to the communion, to the, to the bread and the wine. Lord, to, the, to, the, to this message pointing to you as the high priest. Lord, we look to you, Jesus. Keep, let us keep our eyes on you, Jesus. Let us keep our focus on you, Jesus. Let us, let us have our breath be about you, Jesus. Let our life display you, Jesus. Lord, let our strength come from you. Lord, I also pray that we would be honored to use your authority to release the things of your kingdom. Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace. Hey, how about some patience, God? We need to release that around us with the authority that you've given us. How about some kindness? How about some goodness? How about some gentleness, Lord? How about some self-control, Lord, being released, God, around us? Lord, help us release it through ourselves first so that it begins to affect and permeate, Lord, and saturate the people around us, God. We can't be around everyone, but we're around some people, God, and they can feel the effect of who we are in Jesus Christ. And so we pray, Lord, I want to use my authority for good, not to tear down, to, to do good, to build up, to bless, to free, to heal, God. Help us take our eyes off of ourselves, Lord. Sometimes we're so concerned when we're praying for people, whether something's going to happen, Lord, we just need to keep our eyes on you and say, you've already made it happen. Let's just, let's just let it go. Let's just declare it. Let's just see it happen, God. You do what you want to do. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. We thank you, Lord, that we have that privilege, Lord, to release that. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us revelation. Help us have awareness, God. Just awareness would be enough to be aware of what's going on around us, aware of what atmosphere we're releasing, God, uh, Lord, we thank you for that, God, that we're going to make a difference. We're going to make a difference because of you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you never change, that you're sitting down because you've done the work of redemption and salvation and healing and deliverance, God. And we choose to believe that today. Help us learn to receive it, God. Teach us to be receivers. Teach us to be great receivers, God. We might be we might be good quarterbacks. We need to be good receivers. We need to catch what you have given out. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Ladies, tonight, 6 p.m., if you need prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you.
Is me. 